You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 161 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from. TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, we have a lot to discuss. We'll lead off today's show breaking down the last two games for Virginia Tech men's basketball. How were they able to bounce back on Sunday against Notre Dame following a tough loss against Louisville on Wednesday? We'll talk about the latest regarding Virginia Tech's football roster. Hokies wrestling three wins over the weekend, including a big one against West Virginia and two tough losses in a row for Virginia Tech women's basketball. Four sports to get through. We'll discuss it all on episode 161 of the Tech Sideline podcast that gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, so many great ways to consume the Tech Sideline podcast. We are so glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, January 11th. We've got our normal crew here today. To my left, our managing editor, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness, Campus Emporium, and the Southeast Regional Training Center. At Anytime Fitness, each new member gets a free fitness consultation, and a program is designed. Now through today, January 11th, sign up for a dollar for the first billing period. Call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him that Tech Sideline sent you. Yes. So, and if you're worried about coronavirus in the gym, honestly, don't be. Like when I go in the morning at like seven thirty, there's only like four people there. Right. You're you're so not going to catch it if you if you go in the morning. So the, that's how it is in Blacksburg, at least. So this morning's weigh-in was one eighty-five point four, and eh, that's the same as last week. Um, you know that that's noise level. So I did start in the treadmill this past week, but I have not gone into any time yet. But I'm going to go sign up for the personal training this week, and that's going to start this week. We were really busy last week with uh, setting the new office up. So so typically at the beginning of podcasts, sometimes, for those that have been listening to the podcast for a couple of years now, Will has a song lyric. This week, I have a song lyric okay. for both Will and Chris. I'm not going to know it. Okay? <laughs> I got a feeling you might know this one, okay? I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Hmm. I do not know that one. What era? Oh, it's recent. For those that are our age in college and high school, it's a very popular artist. And this there's a reason why I'm bringing this up, so I'm curious. Do you know that one, Malcolm? I'm pretty sure I do. Okay, well, go ahead, Chris. Wasn't the album name 
Called 22. Yep. It's Taylor Swift. It's though. Taylor yeah. Swift. Now, why would I bring up that song lyric today? Well, it is because it is the best producer in the land's birthday ah. today. Malcolm Stewart is turned 22. That so, was pretty creative. You get, happy birthday. You get a Taylor Swift song. There you go. <laughs> Everyone who turns 22 has a song to sing. Malcolm. Happy birthday to you. Uh, we, we couldn't send you Taylor Swift, so we're sending you a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So uh, we have a lot to get through today. As I mentioned in the open, we're going to talk about four different sports day, Virginia Tech men's basketball, football, wrestling, and women's basketball. But real quick, I also want to mention this at the beginning of the show. Did anybody have a better weekend than Cleveland Brown fans? What would the final score end up being? It was it was oh, fairly gosh. close in the end. It wasn't really. I saw it was like twenty eight to seven. 20, it was twenty eight nothing at the end of the first quarter, oh, and it wound up being something like forty eight thirty seven. Is that right, Evan? I'm trying to pull it up right now. It was high scoring. The Steelers kind of came back, but that twenty eight nothing deficit was just. I, I, I thought Browns fans and Bills fans had to have had pretty had to be pretty happy. Uh, I didn't see any of the Steelers game. Did uh, that was at that was at Pittsburgh. Or was it at Cleveland? It was in it was, Pittsburgh it was last in Pittsburgh. night. Okay. No fans at all. I, I bet Bills fans had a better weekend. All right, it was the first time they'd won the division since 1997, and they Ugh. got a home playoff game, and they won, and they got to go to the game. There were fans in the stadium. Really, New York had fans in the stadium. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was wow. like 700, and it seemed like more oh, than that, like 700. Well, it okay. it seemed more. I'm like, sorry. Yeah, seven thousand. Seven thousand. Yeah. Yes, and they're Bills fans, so they were really, really good. And they were really loud, and they had a lot to cheer about. Didn't get off to a great start, but they won the game. Josh Allen's arm is just uncanny. Final just, score, by the just... way, was 48-37. And one of the reasons I bring up the Browns is because beginning of the broadcast yesterday, Chris Collinsworth, who's the analyst on Sunday Night Football, said that Wyatt Teller is arguably the best guard in the National Football League. Uh-huh. Well, I think his PFF grade's the highest, right? I believe well, he's number one. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, the film doesn't lie. <laughs> uh, he's the best offensive lineman I, I've ever watched in high school on on tape. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not shocked. Yeah, I, I remember watching, and I've told this story before. I remember watching a, a Texans game back when he Dwayne Brown played for him, and I just spent an entire quarter just watching Dwayne Brown just dominate some defensive end. And, and you watch Wyatt Teller, and it's the same way. Just play after play after play. He's getting his block, and, and he's controlling the guy. It's awesome. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And there's a lot of Hokies who moved on this weekend in the playoffs, and we'll talk about that as the NFL playoffs continue on. All right, without further ado, let's lead off the podcast, starting with Virginia Tech men's basketball. As we record on Monday morning, January 11th, they're ranked 19th in the country. That's tied with Clemson for the best ACC school in the top 25. That new poll will come out in uh, Monday afternoon. It might come out by the end of the podcast. And Virginia Tech might fall a little bit after their loss on Wednesday to Louisville, a 73-71 to setback against the Cardinals on Wednesday, a game in which Hunter Couture had a good look from downtown at the buzzer, hit the back iron. Yeah, so let me interrupt and say Hunter Couture is 16 of 34 in the year from three-point range, a shade under 50%. If that had dropped, he'd be 50%. And then he hit the exact same shot against uh, Notre Dame last night with the shot clock bonding down. Yep, from the little V part of the that, logo. That was, a, that was a difficult shot. And yep. and you said it on Sunday, the Hokies bounce back. 77-63 win over the Fighting Irish. It's the first time the Hokies have won a game this season when trailing at halftime. So, Chris, let me start with you. The Louisville game, uh, a tough one, because the Hokies, it felt like they were playing from behind the majority of the game what were the biggest differences from wednesday's game 
to Sunday's win against Notre Dame? I think uh, I think turnovers. Um, they I think they still had a little stretch in the first half yesterday where they turned the ball over really like, early on, like three yeah. possessions in a row. Yeah, and you're like, oh my gosh, is it going to be another one of those turnover games? Like it seems like they all are these days. They settled down. I don't actually don't know the final turnover stat last night. It was night. like 10 tops. Okay. No, not all that many. Now, at one point late, they had like seven. And I'm like, oh, this is much, much better. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's funny. I get the wrong impression. Like last night they started out with some weak passes on the perimeter. They got picked off. And I thought, oh, man, here we go. Right. And you're right. But at the end of the game, you look. And you look like, at oh. it. There was only seven. Yeah. And one of those was like a missed dunk. So yeah, which oh, yeah. and by the way, one, oh, the of, one of those one of those turnovers was Jalen Cohn running out the shot clock late in the game. True, that counts as a turnover. So that, that wasn't even that a counts turnover. as a turnover. Now I did see a stat that they flashed up at one point. Now this is the ACC network, so we can't. I assume it's right, we but we have, we have to acknowledge the fact that it might not be. But it said Virginia Tech was averaging twelve point four turnovers a game, which is like fourth in the ACC. It doesn't seem that doesn't right. Sound right. It doesn't sound right, but I don't know. We'll have to uh, we'll have to look that up. Ten turnovers against Louisville on Wednesday, and a total, as Will said, of ten turnovers. And when Mike Young talks about turnovers, that's about the ballpark range well, of what he was. It wants ten to against see. Louisville. It was ten against really? Louisville. Really? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so they are getting better. It, it seemed it seemed worse. Right. It seemed like well, were... there's always the flurry. Right. There, right. there were the three or four last night, all within a two or three minute span. And I think it was kind of the same against Louisville. Yeah. So, so J- Jalen Cohn should have pulled that trick of, you know, right as the shot clock's running down, he should have passed the ball to somebody else so they get the turnover. Like Darius <laughs> Maddox did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, with the win over Notre Dame, Virginia Tech 3 and 1 in ACC play for just the fifth time since joining the conference 2004 to 2005. Really? So, 3 and 1. Again, they're ranked 19th right now. It's tied with Clemson in the top 20, top 25 poll for the best of any ACC team in the top 25. And Jalen Cohn has kind of been the story of the last week, Will. I mean, a career yeah. high, 23 points against Louisville, and then he followed it up with 18 against Notre Dame off the bench. Yeah, so we were talking about him right before the podcast started. He leads the Hokies in points per, uh, per 40 minutes. I've got that here. He's 26.2 points per 40 minutes. And Kevin Luma's second at 21.5, five points behind him. And then, uh, like, the next is 18.8, 17.8. So he's pretty far ahead as far as point production. Um, you know, and, and the other thing we were talking about was there was only one guy on the team so far who was shooting over 40% from uh, three-point range, and I just gave it away. It's Hunter Couture who's actually up there getting close to 50%. Cone is just a shade under 40%, but – he takes a lot more difficult shots in general, you know, and, and, and Hunter's, Hunter's productivity as a scorer is starting to drop because he's spending a lot of time at point, and, and that's taken away from just – He did score 15 last night. Yeah, you know. And he only had three at halftime, so he had a big right. second half. That's right. That, 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 that guy, man. <laughs> I'm, every, every game I've got the tweet queued up, you know, Hunter Couture draws the charge, and – he does not disappoint. He, he does. He took him a while last night. We it was only like, about it, it four was, minutes left. There, there was not a whole lot of time left. <laughs> I saw it, and I immediately thought of Will Stewart because nobody gets more excited about a Hunter Couture charge than, than Will Stewart. I'm just there. trolling for likes when I tweet that. <laughs> oh, I, I, lo- I love the second one. It wasn't a charge. It was technically a moving screen. But the guy just passes the ball and then just runs right into Couture, right? <laughs> and then, which is an offensive foul because it's a moving screen because the guy's moving. Right, right. But – 
they collided, and Hunter Couture stayed up, and the other guy, bam, is like falls straight down. So like Couture got the better of that one, and the other guy, and the Notre Dame guy got called for the foul. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know, so on Thursday, we'll talk about it a little bit later, Virginia Tech women's basketball uh, played Louisville, and I called that game for 3304 Sports, and I'm sitting in Castle long after the game, working on what we need to get done for the highlights and uh, the full game broadcast, and Jalen Cohn, this is about an hour after the game, is just walks into Castle, has somebody rebounding for him, he just by himself on the floor. It was me, Mark Berman, only ones left in Castle just working on our stuff post game. And I'm not kidding you guys. I mean, he's taking shots from two feet from the half-court line and just burying them. I mean, it's ridiculous the range that he has on him. I mean, He is such a pure shooter. You know, Del, Del Curry was a great shooter, but he's not what I would call a pure shooter. Jalen Cohn is square up to the basket, elevate, release at the top of the jump. He snaps the net. It's just it, Man, I love watching, and I love that he's only a sophomore and you got – you know, a couple more years. Of Three. This. Three more, probably. We hope. <laughs> how, how many shot, degrees are you going to get? Is there any shot you're uncomfortable with Jalen Cohn taking? Uh, maybe if he was going down the lane against a seven-footer. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say yeah. driving all the way to the basket um, because his mid-range game is as good as his long-range game. Yeah, the thing is about his mid-range game, you would think he'd get a, a decent number of those shots blocked, but he, he elevates so high and so quickly. He like he gets on you as a defender, and you think you're going to have a chance to block it, but you don't you don't realize until you see it how quickly he elevates, yeah, how he, explosive he he's is. He's listed at five ten, and and he just when he shoots, he's not playing five ten. Yeah, he's more like he's six two or something. He, he, he can he can be a problem on the defensive end, and and there, there's one play last night that really stood out to me where he was in the game, and Virginia Tech was doing a lot of switching on defense, particularly in the second half, and. And he switched, and I think it was Leshevsky had him down inside, you know. And that's that's a I don't I can't remember how tall Leshevsky is, but you're talking that's like ten inches. Yes. And Notre Dame, which is I've said this many times on the podcast, they are just one of the smartest, best coach teams in college basketball. And the point guard, what's his name, Hubs? Yeah, Hubs. Prentice Hubs. Hubs turned the ball Hubs over four just times. Kept dribbling around and took a shot or whatever. And and the color analyst is going, you got the mismatch. Throw him the ball. Throw him the ball. And Hubs did not. They had it. They had another one in the second half with Beatty, with uh, Lashevsky matched up on Beatty, and they had a chance to throw him the ball. And they'd got that matchup on a switch. Yeah. Now they instead of really dialing in and getting it down in there. They just kept running their offense and running their offense until eventually Tech switched again and got Aluma back. Got the matchups right, right. So, their Notre Dame is a really well coached basketball team. I just, I, I, they're just not as good. They don't have the talent. They certainly have, don't have the talent they used to have. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's a. Sh- they're now own four in league play. Yeah, they and, and and twenty six losses in a row to ranked teams now. They, and that, they that are includes a, everybody from one to twenty five. They're a shadow of their former selves from a talent standpoint. Yeah. I mean, look, they're not going to go winless because it's twenty ACC games and and, and they're a good shooting team. Uh, not in the second half. I, but, I I I think they have three good players. Lashevsky's a good player. 23. Uh, who's their center? What's his name? Uh, Zona? No. Cormac? No. Juwan Durham. 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 And then the and number, then and then number uh, 23, what's his name? Uh, Dane Goodwin. Yeah, Goodwin. He was right. Mr. Basketball from the state. Yeah, he had 12 off the bench yesterday. Right, right. He's a good player. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody else on that team is any good. 
Let me bring up this stat real quick because uh, Damian Salas texts in uh, about Virginia Tech and their turnovers per game. Interesting stat. Hokies at 12.09 turnovers per game, third in the ACC behind UVA, 8.33 turnovers a game, and Notre Dame, 11.10 turnovers per game. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Uh, We'll have to – We'll have to dig into the numbers and see turnover percentage because I know Tech's pace is very, very low. Like, there are fewer possessions in a Tech game. So what's the turnover rate, like percentage of your possessions and things like that? Um, that's that's probably – I'm still w- w- waiting for these broadcasts, and I, I'm not sure what, what's taking ESPN so long is to start using advanced stats on their broadcast. Yeah. Um, so I, I should have done what I did earlier and say turnovers per game because – it can be a misleading stat because of pace. Like some teams have more possessions than others because of their pace of play. So the stat that we should really be using is turnover percentage and see where mm. Virginia Tech ranks there. Mm. Uh, it was a big offensive second half for Virginia Tech. There are a lot of – I mean, Justin Mutz had a terrific game. We'll talk about him in just a moment. Yeah, 42, but Will, 42 points in the second half. I'm curious, Will, what stood out to you more in Sunday's win over Notre Dame? Was it the offense and everybody contributing – or was it the fact that Virginia Tech held Notre Dame to just two made field goals in the second half, fighting Irish shot 10% from the field in the second half? Was Sunday's win more about the offense or the defense? I thought it was all about the defense. I thought that that was what was wrong in the first half. Tech had 35 points in the first half, and yet they were down at halftime. And Notre Dame was shooting, I think, 57% at the half. And I said, I don't remember if it was on the boards or on Twitter. I think it was Twitter. I said, the thing that was worrying me is that, you know, this is a Notre Dame team that was 3-6, and 0-3 oh in the league, um, had lost 25 games in a row at that point to rank teams. And I was worried that they looked really confident. They were moving the ball well. They were getting open shots. They were snapping the net. And I thought, oh, man, this team, this Notre Dame team looks really confident and in rhythm. They looked like Notre Dame for the first time in about two or three years. Yeah, right? you know, yeah. and and so I was worried about that continuing. And Tech started the second half with uh, Beattie in the game. I think he played the first four minutes, and then they did the the Cone Couture uh, uh, entry of those guys into the game. And Notre Dame did not score a field goal for at least the first six minutes um, of the second half. And and I thought that was the key to the game. You know, Virginia Tech kept doing their thing offensively. I thought they, I thought they, they got much better defensively in the second half. But the big thing that happened was, even when Notre Dame started getting open shots, they were missing them in the second half. They lost their confidence. Yeah. So to me, the story of the game was the defense. Well, Virginia Tech improves to eleven and two under Mike Young in the last two years when four players score ten points or more in a game. They did it against Louisville on Wednesday. And that was the second loss. And uh, then they did it on Sunday against Notre Dame. And the following players were in double figures. Keve Aluma, double-double, 15 points and 12 rebounds. Justin Mutz, 14.7 rebounds. 18 for Jalen Cohn, as we mentioned. And 15 for Hunter Couture. Tyrese Radford, 9.8 rebounds. Uh, Chris, let's talk about Justin Mutz for a hey, second. So let, me, let me throw one thing in yep. there. You may have seen this on Twitter. The, the two field goals by Notre Dame in the second half, I think that's a tech record. In ACC play defensively, so you're telling me that NC State that year made more than two field <laughs> they goals had in one three. half. Three, <laughs> they had three, and they scored they had, like, they 24 had, points the whole they game. Had 24 points. One of the halves they had 10 <clears throat> points, and that included three field goals. It's pretty remarkable. 35 wow. minutes for Justin Mutz on Sunday. That was a team high. Chris, does he get better as every game? You feel like more confidence with him? 
I think as he uh, as he figures out, figures out who he is, you know, he, he obviously is a better three-point shooter than he was the first two years of his career at High Point in Delaware. I think like he was two of 19 in those two years. So he is a little bit of a threat now. He's, he's, eight, he's eight of 26, 26 for right. 31%. Right, but that's not who he is as a player. And, you know, I especially feel like the Louisville game when he hit those two early, you know, he kind of fell in love with it. Fool's gold. Extent. Yeah, exactly. Um, fact of the matter is he's a post player. He's, he's, a, he's a power forward, and the vast, vast majority of his points need to be on the inside and off offensive rebounds and things like that. And I, I think he stayed true to himself more so uh, last night. And if he if he does that and if he does that going forward, then then I think we're going to be – Tech will be just fine. I, I think Aluma only took one three-pointer. Do you do you night. think that that Mutz is the guy with maybe not the guy but maybe he is he's the guy with the most inside out potential meaning he can you know he's only a thirty one percent shooter from three point range what I mean by that is he's a guy that can go from the three point line to the basket and finish do you do you think that's an accurate do you mean by dribbling from driving dri- dribble driving. drive I'm not saying he's a point guard he's not going to go to the rack like Justin Robinson. But if you give uh, him a little room and he gets moving, you're in trouble. I, I would say, are we just talking bigs, or are we talking? I think everybody? we're talking bigs. Okay. Uh, as, I would say. Uh, I don't know. I think Aluma's got a pretty good handle on him. I mean, you saw him drive. It was a nice dunk last dunk. night. Yeah, if you yeah. leave him room, he'll make. And he's he's actually done a pretty good job in the open court in transition, better than you would think a big man. But generally speaking, I would say yes. I, I think when. Uh, uh, Gasson, Gasson, get some size on him and adjust to the speed of the game and everything like that. You, you're going to be impressed by him. Uh, he's got, he's got some physical tools that, that will become more pronounced once he figures out how to play at this level. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, one of my favorite things to do at the midway points uh, of football. We've done it for football. We're going to do it for men's basketball. Now we're not quite at the midway, but I think we're in. We're four games into ACC play, non-conference included. It's time to bring back Rose, Bud, and Thorn for Will and Chris regarding <laughs> men's basketball. For those that don't remember what this is, I'm going to ask three things. The Thorn is the part that is not good for Virginia Tech. The Bud is what is blossoming into something that can be great. And then the Rose is something that is already really good. This is about the team in general. You can throw individual players in there as well. Let's start with the Thorn. 3-1 and one in league play, 9-2 and two overall. What is the thorn right now for Virginia Tech men's basketball? I am concerned. Uh, I think I was really concerned earlier in the season. And, and maybe I don't feel this way as much after the Louisville and Notre Dame games. But I'm concerned about performance against the zone. And, and the ability to get the ball into the paint and back out or into the paint and and finish at the rim. I still don't know that Tech has that that dribble drive guy. You know, n- nobody expects Justin Robinson to be on this team, but that that's a valuable tool in the toolbox where when the shot clock runs down, a guy who can create his own shot. I that think that's supposed to be Jada. Yeah. Um, yep, that is correct. You know, and that's and you know we knew that going in that oh okay uh, now they got a guy that can go to the rim. Now I will say that. His absence it hurts Virginia Tech from that standpoint. But in my opinion, the offense itself I don't think was running particularly well whenever he was in the game. I think it runs better with Hunter Couture in the game than Jada running the point. Yes, I so, agree. So you kind of get to the point where, okay, 
his absence cost us a little bit here, but I think we gained some stuff too. Right. So I'm not altogether displeased with, I mean, there can be such a thing as having too many players and keep having to keep too many guys happy. I agree. And that the, the great thing about having a deep roster is John, John Ogiaco is not coming back uh, as fast as they thought he would. Uh, Cordell Pemsel apparently has an issue with back spasms or something like that. And they're not missing those guys. And, yeah. And that's great. Well, they can, uh, they can go small and put, uh, mutts in there and go with a four guard lineup. Yeah. Um, which these days to these players is no big deal. Yeah, it shouldn't be. That's normal basketball these days. So anyway, do you, do you agree that the the ability to just break down a defense in the half court? Yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, right, there's no Justin Robinson, like you said. Now, yeah. granted, Justin Robinson is the best ever in Tech history, as far as that goes. Probably, I would say, as far as penetration. But yeah, there there there's Aline does it sometimes. Aline's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, Aline scored zero points last night and four fouls and four fouls and yeah. had 15 and, and, against Louisville well and like all in the second half dude there was a stretch in the Louisville game where he just dominated him and yeah the, and he was being very aggressive right and, and Mike, Mike Young said after the game he said I got on him at halftime because I just didn't think he was good enough in the first half um so we're dealing with his inconsistencies. That that might honestly, you know, he is a guy who can beat people off the dribble and, and things like that. Certainly not to the extent of Justin Robinson, but uh, so yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think if if we could get Aline playing consistently, um, I, I think that this team they they could potentially really take a step up. But then again, if you get him playing consist consistently, you've got Jalen Cohn scoring twenty every night. It seems like like. Who are you going to take off the court? Right? Yeah. So, so to to flesh that out a little bit, it's it's not just playing against the zone in the half court. Isn't just a case of of having having a guy who can who can break it down by himself. I I also think that over the course of the next couple of years, you're going to see the ball movement improve in the half court offense, and they're going to just by moving the ball, they're mm-hmm. going to create yeah. open shots. But I still think the key is that guy in the paint. And you watch Buzz coach this against – Buzz was really good about coaching this against Syracuse. And he had uh, um, somebody whose name I Chris can't Clark. Re- Justin uh, Bibbs. Bibbs. Justin Bibbs he would put in, in the middle of that zone. you got to have that guy that can – I always thought to put Chris Clark there. And Bibbs Chris Clark, yeah. yeah. Um, if he had Chris Clark. Right. You know. yeah. So the thorn diagnosing a defense in the half court. How about a bud, Chris Coleman? What is something that is – blossoming not quite great but it's on its way of being there could be promising by the end could be a player could be something about the team i would say couture at point guard um i i think yeah he didn't have any assists last night but in a, in a way you know the offense itself is the point guard but you still who you have play in there i I think he gives he just provides more of a scoring threat than than, than Beatty. Um, now Beatty obviously, when Tech needed to get off to a great defensive start in the second half, you know Beatty was there. When Tech needed a stop late against Louisville, Beatty was there with yep. a strip in the lane. You know, so so we're, Virginia Tech is getting a lot out of both guys now, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, like. I think the offense really comes to life more offensively with Couture in there. Now, 
he's not as good an on-ball defender as Beattie, but you could argue that he's a better off-the-ball defender than Beattie. Yes. Uh, right. And uh, and Couture proves that time and again, getting getting his hands in the passing lanes, getting defensive position. Right. You're right. He's, you're right. On the ball, maybe not, but off the ball, he's, he's yeah. a, that's called a team defender, I think. He's, a, he's becoming an excellent team defender. Right. And you're not going to be able to compare their numbers directly because Couture did play a little bit off the ball last night with with, with Beattie at, at point guard. But generally speaking, Couture's at, at point guard these days. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I feel better about, honestly, the the offense running with Couture at point guard than I did with Jada at point guard as far yeah. as the, the uh, just running the offense itself. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I uh, – I would prefer to play him off the ball, but at the same time, if you give him all all his minutes off the ball, you're taking off Jalen Cohn or you're taking off Naheem Aline, who I know he's playing inconsistent right now, but but there's going to be some nights where he scores 20. So it's it's something to at least watch is, sure. is, is what happens there, but I like what I've seen so far. And I'll leave the rose for Will Stewart. My man, Hunter Couture. <laughs> He's, now, Chris was very specific about Hunter at point guard being the bud. Um, the the Rose is actually tough for me because it, I'm torn between Cone and and Couture. I think as far as being most consistent, you got to go with the Luma. Sure. Um, but I, I'm developing a huge man crush on Hunter Couture. You know, every, everything he does in terms of making shots and running the offense and playing defense and, and drawing the charges and – um, you know, he, he missed that uh, final shot against Louisville. Um, he, he will make um, at least one game winner in his career. You know, that's going to happen. So it, it's close, but I, I will pick him over Cone. And I got almost a big man crush on Cone. I love watching that guy shoot. Just, just he, he made a shot, I think it was against Louisville, where he was like literally spinning in the air when he released it. Yeah. He was running along the baseline and coming off a screen, and he catches and spins and shoots, and boom, you know. That, and, and that, unfortunately, is why he's not going to break Virginia Tech's three-point percentage record for his career because he takes to so many tough ones. Ty, the, the degree of difficulty. Ty Outlaw owns that record, right? Yeah. And you have to average two makes per game to qualify for your career. Outlaw averaged exactly two makes <laughs> per game, right? But Outlaw's, all his shots were – He's squared up to the basket Set already. Set right, right. Jalen Cohn is coming off screens and, like you said, just contorting his body in weird ways in the yeah. air. So he's going to make amazing shots, but his percentage is at 39.7%. You know, he's never going to be a 47% shooter like Outlaw because of the, the types of shots he takes. Now, the record that is that will be in jeopardy is Visayo's overall number of made three-pointers. So Visayo is the record holder for that, Yes, huh? well, I believe. I put that in inside, AD, AD inside no the foul. number. Yeah, he did not foul. <laughs> put that in inside the numbers for basketball last week. I don't know if it was officially an inside the numbers article uh, or not. I don't man, think it was, but uh, I, I, anyway. I, I really wish Visayo just made that one shot against Clemson that one year. I, I think Tech would have won the ACC regular season. Am I, am I, does that ring a bell? Oh, the the I, I don't know if, if he had a shot in that in in that game. I remember a Clemson game in in Castle where he had a last second shot and it didn't fall. I don't um, know if that was that. No, the the, the the Clemson game that year was uh, just we had so many turnovers. Like Xavier and Dowdell had seven turnovers in like the first half. Right, I'm mixing my years up. I'm remembering a, uh, a Malcolm Delaney year. So anyway, not to sidetrack the conversation. Um, 
uh, Cone, I believe, shot 43% last year, which in eight ninety didn't, if, if I'm remembering things correctly, he did not have enough makes or attempts to qualify for NCAA statistics. But if he had, he'd have been, I think, top 10 in the country. Yeah. Uh, no, he's got to be careful that he doesn't fall in. Yes, he needs to fall in love with it, but not too deeply in love with it. He did have one bad shot last night. Yes. And it didn't even draw iron. And you could tell that he had been making so many recently that he was just going to keep shooting. Yeah, the heat and, check. And uh, they kind of – he dialed him back after that. Yeah. Uh, I think Mike Young dialed him back a little bit after that. But that, that's up to Mike Young to manage. So one, one thing that worries me that, that I wanted to ask about is um, uh, Kevin Aluma, to me, seems to be struggling with the post-up game in the half court. Um, when you dump it into him and he's backing his guy down – I don't think he's scoring with regularity like he was earlier in the season. I just think probably the film is out to a certain extent on his strengths and weaknesses. I mean, look, Mike Bray's a really, really good coach. Mike Bray had 10 games of film to study. Uh, Jay Wright had two games of film to study, and that was both against mm-hmm. that was against Bradford and another low. And Lashevsky's one of the more underrated bigs in the ACC, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah he was definitely stonewalling Aluma a lot last night. Um the uh, the big thing to me is like Aluma's just I I think when we've gotten in trouble some I think when we got in trouble against Louisville was when we kept trying to force feed it to Aluma yeah. I know some people say there were there were times earlier where, where people said oh, they should just they need to de- need to go to Aluma more we're getting away from that it needs to come within the flow of the offense though you can't just sit there and try to force feed him just for the sake of doing it like it's got to come within the flow of the offense or it's, or it's not going to work so. I was I was actually happy with it last night. I didn't think Tech was overly aggressive trying to get him the ball. I think the game came to him. I don't think he forced anything. I don't think they forced anything into him. I think sometimes uh, it's all about timing and angle of of the pass, and sometimes like that is a little bit off right now. And that's still just so many so many guys new to running the offense and playing together. And things like that, but I think that's something that'll that'll get better with time. Oh, we're a fifth of the way through conference play, three and one. Hokies are in ACC play. Quickly, Will, and then to Chris. Who's the most important player to the success of this Virginia Tech team on roster right now? Man, I don't think I can pick one guy. Um, I like I like the way they all work together. Um. I th- I think at this point Couture is what he is, Cone is what he is. Uh, Radford Radford has been kind of quiet last couple games. He he needs to continue to be that aggressive guy. Um, I'm struggling between picking him or Aluma. Um, Aluma um, getting back his production in the half court post game or learning how to kick it back out to open mm-hmm. shooters. He's got 15 assists for the year, and I'm and I'm looking at the stat sheet and and. By the way, who is number two on the team behind Beattie in assists? Radford and Mutz. Oh, I was going to say, don't oh. look. You have oh, to sorry. guess. Oh. oh, I didn't Radford, know you were asking us Radford, which is interesting, <laughs> Justin Mutz <laughs> with 22. He had a nice pass to Gasson. Oh, yeah, that was really nice. Um, so, to, to me, continued productivity from Aluma, maybe increased productivity. Mm-hmm. And, and Radford – being the Radford, we all know and love the rebounder, the the junkyard dog. I, I think that that's just critical because I think the other guys are going to continue to do what they do. 
You could also I'll, I'll let Chris go from here. I could throw another guy in, but I'll see what he says. I, Most I, important player, Chris. I would say Aluma. I mean, if Tech lost Aluma tomorrow, then who else they have on the roster over you know that tall who's going to score and be yeah. a post present? Mutz, yes, it's six seven. He could do it in a, to a certain extent as an undersized center, but ideally he continues to play the four and not the five. Ojiako is banged up and just coming back and rusty and didn't get a preseason. Don't expect anything from that guy nah, this year. Nah. It's just it's unfair to him. Uh, and now uh, Pimsel apparently has back spasms, and you know he's not a big scorer anyway. So Aluma's the only big that can be a consistent scorer for Virginia Tech. M- meanwhile, like I think everybody else, it's like if Jalen Cohn has an off night, okay, that's fine because Aline's capable of going for twenty or even Couture, and vice versa. Aline doesn't score last night, and Jalen. Cone puts up 18 or so. Uh, so I, I think there's some interchangeable parts in the backcourt. I don't think there's an interchangeable part for Aluma. And he's averaging 28.8 minutes per game, but I bet he's – what is he averaging the last two games? For probably right. 35, right? Yeah. So I, I think, to me, he's, he's the one guy who is more irreplaceable than the others. On Tuesday – 21st ranked Duke comes to Castle Coliseum. Blue Devils are 5 and 2 on the year. They're undefeated in league play, 3 and 0 in the ACC. Matthew Hurt averaging nearly 20 points per game. That's their top Who? score. Matthew Hurt. Who? Oh. <laughs> I was just watching people talk on the boards and they're like I literally can't name one Duke player. Well, that's like that every year. Well, you can name Zion though. Yeah, it's a fair point. You couldn't help it. ESPN it wouldn't let yeah. you. Yeah. But, you know, t- t- hey, they've got Henry Coleman. From Richmond. Okay. Yep. That's Hank Coleman's son. Who's All right. Started so, the Trinity Episcopal. Yep. Yeah. So, Virginia Tech's had a lot of success against Duke inside of Castle Coliseum in the last five years. You think it, about... It, it really fascinates me that Notre Dame has lost 26 straight games to ranked teams because they're so well coached. And then you look at Virginia Tech, and like you said, they've had a lot of success against teams like Duke. You know? Yeah. A lot, a lot of ranked teams Tech has knocked off, so go ahead. Uh, well, tech, tech has been well-coached, too, except now tech, has, tech is well-coached and they have better players in Notre Dame. Let's just face it, Notre Dame doesn't have much talent anymore. Nah. That's, that, is Notre Dame the least talented team in the ACC? I will keep an eye out for you that. Could, uh, either, you could argue them. You could haven't argue seen Boston Wake, College. Haven't seen Wake Forest yet. Boston College, uh, uh, Boston College only lost to Duke by one. Uh, Wake Forest right. might be – but you're right, they're in the, they're in the bottom tier. Yes. All right, anyway, Chris, back to Duke. Uh, how important of a test is this? How much are we going to learn about Virginia Tech and how good they are against a Duke team that is not as good I, as they have been in years past? I honestly don't know how much we're going to learn because they didn't play for a month. Their first game back, they barely beat Boston College, who's like 3-8, and eight, right? Um, but then they came out and looked better against uh, Wake Forest this past weekend. Did but, they? again, that's a Wake Forest team that – they had a bunch of games canceled in December because all their opponents kept having coronavirus issues. And for for all I know, they've got them. Uh, now, I, I don't know. Um, so Duke has not been challenged since they started after they took a month off from basketball. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if we're going to find I'm, – I'm not going to say Duke's not going to be a challenge, but I feel like it's a game that I think Tech has – I think Tech will win because I just hmm. think Duke took so much time off and they got so many young players that, you know, I just, I just think Tech is further along. Well, Stuart, is, isn't Coach K in and out as far as as coaching goes? He did not coach against Boston. College. He was in he was in quarantine. 
Interesting. But I think he's I, I believe he'll be – yes, I believe he'll be uh, – John Shire was their co head coach. That's right. That's right. Yep. Well, Stuart, yeah. are you going to pick the Hokies against the Blue Devils? How do you feel? Uh, I, I do not know. I will say once again, and I'll say this all season long, I really wish Tech was playing this game with next year's team. And I look around the entire ACC, and, and I, I mentioned this because I, I include Duke in this. I look around the entire ACC, and I just don't see programs that are all that good. Um, you know, and, and I think if Virginia Tech had next year's team or maybe even the year after, depending upon how things break, they, they'd have a good shot at, at, at winning the whole thing. I'm not talking about the tournament. Anything can happen at tournament time. I'm talking about the regular season. And so I kind of I kind of lump Duke in there with that this year. Uh, I texted Chris. I, I, it's funny. I've lost track of who I was watching. I was watching North Carolina play someone. It may have been Louisville a few days ago. And what I saw was a lot of really talented players playing a lot of really bad basketball. You've texted me that uh, they're in several UNC games this year. Yes, actually. yes, yeah. they, you know. So, um, I, I think at this point, I think Virginia Tech can beat anybody in the league. I, I really do think at this point, right now, there is a chance Virginia Tech can win the regular season ACC title. Now, now, I don't does, think does, I'm crazy saying that. Does I, that mean I think Tech is a great team? No. I just look around and I'm like, they can beat anybody I, in this I think league. Florida State is a contender. I actually think Louisville, they're going to crack top 25. They have one loss on the year. They can do it. But, I mean, Chris, if Tech shoots the ball well and can have that interior presence in the front court, I mean, there's no reason to think that they can't at least contend for it. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of teams that are kind of – you lump into the same category and you say, if this goes right and that goes right, yeah. then they could do this. And Virginia Tech is one of those teams. Yeah. Um, I would say they're upper tier though right now. Is yeah, that fair to say? Yeah, I, I think Virginia Tech is a legit top four team in the ACC I, right I now. I think that's fair. I, 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 I don't know. We'll once Duke comes back and gets some games under their belt, we'll see. All right, so let's see. Who would your top four be right now, Evan? Well, I think just in terms of, of, of town, I'm not saying they're peaking at the right time. I think mm-hmm. Florida State, in mm-hmm. no particular order, by the way. Sure. Florida State. Louisville. I think Louisville. I think Virginia. I think once – I mean, again, talent-wise, I know they're not showing it right now. They, they will gel. Yeah, they missed a whole bunch of time, too. And Kihei Clark is a problem. He's he's, a, he's he absolutely a good, is, yeah. but Hoff's been struggling, and then and then I think you put Tech in there. I mean, North Carolina hasn't showed that they're a top four right now, and Duke, what they've put out right now, knock on wood, I don't think Duke has shown they're a top four team right now. Clemson, mm-hmm. Tech's beaten Clemson, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Uh, NC State was looking good until they lost to Miami. Yep, right. Yeah. Again, we're a fifth of the way through the ACC, so uh, please don't pull the receipts on me in a month and a half. <laughs> this, is, this is right now on Monday, January 11th. All right, we're 45 minutes into the podcast. We still have three more sports to talk about. We'll step aside for a break. When we come back, Hendon Hooker has announced that he is transferring to Rocky Top in Tennessee. <laughs> we will talk about that. We'll talk about a couple of players that are sticking around, and Virginia Tech might have to face Coach Beamer in a couple of years. That's all coming up on Episode 161 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Welcome back in to episode 161 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by Anytime Fitness, Campus Emporium, and the Southeast Regional Training Center. So great to have you with us as we record on Monday morning, January 11th. Evan Hughes alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart behind the scenes, the birthday boy, Malcolm Stewart. Uh, final thought on men's basketball, because we were just discussing during the break that the schedule looks favorable moving forward, Will. 
Right, but what I specifically wanted to talk about was the TV broadcast schedule. Mm. So last night I was noticing during the game there just wasn't a lot of activity on, on our message boards. Um, and I'm not sure why that was because it, it was a tight game. You know, Tech wasn't playing well, then they were playing well. And and the other thing I noted is that that Duke game Tuesday night is at 7 p.m. on the ACC network. Now, when the schedule was first made up, that game was slotted as – ESPN slash two slash U. It's Duke. How often is Duke not on one of the ESPN networks? And then when it finally gets settled, it's not even one of those. It's the ACC network. So here are Tech's next. Here's the rest of their schedule. I won't, I won't give the teams. I'll just give broadcast. ACC network, ACC network, ACC network, RSN, RSN, ACC network, RSN, RSN, ACC network. And then we get ESPN on February 13th. Against uh, Louisville? Correct. Supposedly. We'll see. Killing is too strong a word, but the lack of ability to see this team is is killing conversation and interest, I think. Anybody who has Comcast can't watch this team play. Right. Um, Um, And and you can't watch them at Castle. Right. Well, I mean, and here, you know, for the RSN games, I'll have to go to a bar and watch. Right, correct. That's that's always difficult to watch when it's RS9 because it's like NBC Sports Washington, right? Fox Sports it's, South. So I, I have no trouble seeing the team, and, and there's because I get it. I'm, I'm a Dish uh, Network subscriber, so I get the ACC Network. Um, but there are a lot of tech fans that are not seeing this basketball team. So that, that's that's actually might do a poll this week. Like, how many of you have been unable to? see this team play because you don't get the ACC network. Usually playing Duke is a ticket to Mm -hmm. being able to see the team play, and that generates – Duke is Duke, so that generates a lot of message board activity, but also the fact that everybody can see it, and that's not going to be the case Tuesday. You bring up the schedule, uh, what network the games are going to be on. I want to just quickly look at the schedule ahead for men's basketball. So tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, the 12th, Duke, then Virginia Tech, at Wake Forest, home against Boston College, at Syracuse, at Notre Dame. So, Chris, that's four games in a row there, especially after Duke. That I mean, those are winnable games for Virginia Tech. Very winnable games. If Virginia Tech can knock off uh, Duke on Tuesday, it is Tuesday. It'll be four right? and one. It'll be four and one. And then the next two games are Wake Forest and Boston uh, College. Boston College. Five and one, six and one. You Here got we a go, chance. counting wins. Uh, yeah, 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 I know. you got to get a chance to go to six and one and then Notre Dame. Syracuse, you know, in you got a chance to beat seven and one. Uh, yeah, we don't know how good Syracuse is. They're they're, they're off and on. They're they're really a hot and cold team, right? They 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 very much are a hot and cold. And that team. game is at Syracuse. That game is, so it goes uh, again at Wake, home against Boston College, at Syracuse, at Notre Dame. Can you imagine playing on an empty Carrier Dome? It's hard enough place to play because it's the the sight lines are so different. You're just playing in a big cavernous empty space, yeah, with with no fans there. And I mean, it's like that anyway. But even when you when you throw in the fact that there's no fans, that just must be a really really odd feeling. So, so there there was some discussion back when Buzz Williams was the coach. There was some discussion of how many of the top coaches in the ACC were getting ready to retire out. Um, Roy Williams, Coach K, uh, Bayheim at Syracuse, you know. And there was some conjecture: could Buzz Williams and Tony Bennett be the new long term highly successful coaches in the ACC? 
Anybody who was paying attention knew Buzz wasn't going to be here very long, but that was just a discussion. So you just wonder if the door's going to open a little bit, you know, and I don't want to wear that topic out because I know we have to move along. There's a lot of old coaches in this league. Yeah. Coach K, Roy Williams, Jim Laranaga. Jim Laranaga. Right. Bray. Let's throw Mike Bray uh, in there. Now. Yeah. I'm not sure his age, but look, Notre Dame has dropped like a rock. Leonard Let's Hamilton. Yeah, Leonard uh, Hamilton is up there. Of course, Leonard Hamilton is in his 70s. Looks it, like he's in his 50s. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, there, there's a lot. And then of, you've got some young coaches like Kevin Keats, Josh Pastner. Um, Pastner's not going to be at Georgia Tech very long because he's not any good. But you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, there, there's opportunity here. Um, no question. So. And there's opportunity when you ant- enter the transfer portal in sports. And as we transition from men's basketball to football, we begin with transfer portal news, and that is former Hokie starting quarterback Kendon Hooker announced that he is transferring to Tennessee to play for old Rocky Top. He's going from the ACC to the SEC. Will, what were your thoughts when you heard the news? I I can't. Um, you know how sometimes things go down and then they come right back out because you can't comprehend them? <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of, so a lot of our fans are down in far southwest Virginia, down in that area, So and a lot of our fans are in Tennessee. So they're subjected to a lot of, Tennessee volunteer news and opinion and fans and all that sort of thing. I'm not. So, so I'm not going to sit here and spout off all these Tennessee stats and the state of their program, but you know, it just, that's just an interesting choice. I don't well, know. I don't know anything about their, their quarterback. Right I will say their quarterback Guantanamo, who's this big five-star recruit. He was a starter as a five-star true freshman this past he's year. He's in the transfer portal. So I well, believe oh, did? He he did? he's in the portal. When did he go in the portal? Not 100% sure, but I did see that news on the ticker, I believe. So I believe Hendon Hooker is going to be a likely okay. starter. So that Tennessee. that decision makes more sense now because, all right, so the Tennessee quarterback had not entered the portal when Hooker committed. He must have entered this Grant past Tano, weekend. by the way, the correct pronunciation. Yeah, he's transferring to Washington State. Oh, he has wow. been announced two days ago. Okay. And he was this big recruit, like you were saying. So he's at Washington State. So that and he, leaves. And he's his, transferring out of his true freshman year. No, he, no, he was there for uh, two years. Two years. He was okay. a starter for two years. Was he? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. He, he was the starter for two years, and he's transferring out. Correct. Wow. Who knows, man? There's all kinds of reason why guys are entering the portal. But. He started seven games in 2020 and 32 in his career. Lost the starting job late in the season to Harrison Bailey. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh. Bailey might be the true freshman. Uh, look up Harrison Bailey, 247. Sure. Well, yeah, right. Um, I, I will say this, and I know Chris will agree. Hendon, if you're going to play in the SEC, you better hit the weight room, buddy, because it's, it's, it's going to be rough. Yeah. Harrison Bailey was a four-star quarterback. So I pull up his uh, profile, Bailey, for the University of Tennessee. As What class was he? The page loads. <laughs> Play the Jeopardy music. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, finally loading. R.I.P. He as a freshman. Okay. 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 So, and what, what overall people were describing him as a five star to me. Not he was rated star. as a four star prospect in the nation's third ranked pro style quarterback in the two four seven. So he's a borderline five star. So highly rated. So guy, what, yeah. what's his overall ranking? Overall, uh, number seven national ranking by Max Preps in 2019. Nike Elite 11 finalist. I'm going through his bio. Uh, You need to go to his 247 profile. I need to go to his 247 profile. There we go. Harrison Bailey. So, anyway, we're talking about Hendon Hooker announcing he's transferring to Tennessee. 
as Chris knows how to use the 247 site way more than I do. So a little bit of dead air while Chris yeah. looks. Uh, oh, why is that not working? <laughs> Sorry, MacBooks. You know. Um, I don't know how to use a Mac. <laughs> but at any rate, six foot five, two hundred twenty-five pro-style quarterback okay. Bailey, uh, compared to Hooker, who's transferring in. He's a top one hundred recruit as a true freshman. He top one hundred recruit. Top one hundred recruit as a true freshman, and he ended up starting in the second half of the season this past year. And that's where Hendon Ho- that's what Hendon Hooker's walking uh, into. Okay. Um, um so I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, no, the guy me, didn't play great, but he is talented. Um he gives me a reason to watch Tennessee. I'll put it that way. I'll, I'll be intrigued. I'll be intrigued to see. Especially what he considering goes how Tennessee's kind of been on the downslope. So, so you used to, for it, the, you know. so the most part, you're used to Virginia Tech football players transferring out and disappearing off the end of the earth. You know, Tennessee's not the end of the earth. That's an actual legit football program, right? Um, you know, like like Damon Hazelton going to Missouri. He played for Missouri, right. SEC school, decent team. Yeah, um, I think he got like thirty five passes or something yeah. like that. So it's not like he got a ton of balls out there. So from that standpoint, this is different. He's he's not. You know, a lot, of, very many of Tech's transfers in the last couple of years didn't get picked up at all. The the Nestor and, one is the one that's going to bother me, right? Yeah. Roberts and, chiming in by the way that the quarterbacks coach is Winky, uh, Chris Winky, and the uh, offensive coordinator is T. Martin at Tennessee. That is very interesting. Uh, but how about some good news of players that are staying in Blacksburg? Last podcast we talked a bunch about players in the portal. And those that are staying, those are declaring for the NFL draft. These are two new players that have announced they're staying. Offensive lineman Lasita Smith is returning, as well as defensive lineman Deshaun Crawford. Yeah, we figured Crawford was going to return because he did not participate in the senior day. He didn't day. go through senior day. Yeah. And a guy like him, you know, when he got hurt in the preseason and stayed injured all year and never really got over it, he doesn't want to go out like that. Yeah. And thankfully because of the rules this year he doesn't have to yeah yeah that's that's very and, and that's important especially important because hewitt's not coming back i was about to say does he kind of slide into that starting spot I, of where I, hewitt I was mean, well last year the, the starters were hewitt and crawford so next year i would assume assume it'll be uh crawford and pollard pollard right um and then quickly real quick this was uh report this was put on twitter yesterday uh, and it was in, a, in our comment section on YouTube Live uh, from Evan G. Watkins. It sounds like Virginia Tech is the leader for a transfer target from Clemson, a defensive tackle. I don't know if you guys got the chance oh, to see that. Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams was like the fir- first what I'll call modern recruit that just retweeted every single thing anybody said about him on Twitter. Really, oh, re- I remember that. Really, okay. really, really <laughs> nice kid. Because uh, I interviewed him one time, he he would love to talk about recruiting. So I, I forgot uh, about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I liked. He's a really nice kid. He also is the first. I think he's the first recruit to, that made me ever dislike recruiting the modern recruiting game because of everything that got retweeted on Twitter. Like anybody said anything. I mean, you, we've got to follow. So, some so of you these wanted kids. to follow him, right? Right. I did follow him, and then literally every anything any fan or anybody said about him, he would retweet. And I remember when he finally committed to Clemson, I was glad that he had committed so I could unfollow him. Um, yes. And again, I want to state he's a really, really nice kid uh, and and did an interview with me and was and is a, is a nice guy, and I hope Virginia Tech ends up getting him. Um, but I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, what is wrong with this guy? And now it's like everybody's like that. Right? Yeah, and, and so God bless those people that – 
that actually follow recruits on Twitter and actually comb through their tweets. Oh because, my gosh! Wow, it, yeah. it can be a real mess. Yeah. So, so here's the list of uh, Virginia Tech coaches that are following following Pearson Prelo, Mark Dythorn, Brad Cornelson, Bo Davidson, Adam Lechtenberg, Matt Transu. Ryan Smith, you get the idea. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all, so yeah. there's some. I'm not there. surprised they're putting the full court press on. Now this is a six four, three hundred pounder. He was a defensive end in high school. He's uh, from Virginia Beach. Yep, I'll forget which Virginia Beach high school he went to. Pull up his profile right now. He, okay. He's a uh, redshirt junior, mm-hmm. and he went to Frank W. Cox High School. That's right, he went to Cox. That's right, Tavion Robinson's high school. Right, right, right. That's yeah. the, that's one um, of the connections. I think he's got about ten or twelve tackles for loss in his career didn't play as much this year as he did last year but yes he's a guy who would step right in and help right away yeah uh probably and probably start right away interesting made his first career start this year at wake forest um had a stop in the ac's championship game against notre dame and then sugar bowl against ohio state so anyways uh that was reported and and you know again you lose gerard hewitt you bring so, so did you Crawford. say that Williams is a uh, redshirt junior? Redshirt junior. So he's got two more years. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. six foot four, three hundred and ten pound defensive tackle. Sold. Clemson. So I'll, I'll take him. him. Anyways, uh, that's uh, the majority of the football news about the roster. I believe we have talked about every. Oh, you got to talk about the. Uh, yep. Yep. Everyone who's in the transfer portal, everyone who's declared from the NFL draft, everyone who's returning. We have discussed it over the last two podcasts. Last little bit about football is that Virginia Tech might have to face Coach Beamer in a game <laughs> in 2025. It was announced last week that the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in 2025 will feature South Carolina and head coach Shane Beamer and Virginia Tech. Now, that is four years away. But, Chris, when you saw the news, what would you think? I've always envisioned a Virginia Tech-South Carolina matchup in Charlotte. So I'm a little bit surprised that this is in Atlanta and not, true. not Charlotte. Charlotte would make more sense. South but, Carolina kept playing UNC in Charlotte. Right. You know, right. Like, why not us? Yeah, not us. Uh, I think that would be better. Okay, that's fine. I'll take Atlanta. That that's fine. Um, it'll be early enough the season. I can go down the Braves if they're home that weekend. I can go to Braves games. That'll that'll work out fine. Yeah. Uh, now that being said, like, first of all, we don't know. If Shane's still going to be their coach then. For, and, I, and I have something to say about that, but go uh, ahead. I mean, who knows? It's, it's We're talking five years from now. Four. So, four, four, yeah. But I think he probably – I'm sure he probably will be. He probably – like, law, the chances are – I know you've got your stat. So, so let me go jump ahead, in Go here. ahead and get your stat. I did the research, and and so if, if you're out there on the outside and you're looking in, you're like, oh, SEC school, man. There's no guarantee he's going to be there. That would be his fifth season. 21, 22, 23, 24 would be his first four years. 2025 would be his fifth year. So I looked it up, and and South Carolina doesn't behave like a typical SEC school when it comes to churning through coaches um, in the past. Since 1946, every coach they have had has made it to at least the first game of his fifth year. Muschamp was there for elite. Wow. I felt like he was there shorter. Interesting. I know. I know. I tell you what, double check it. Double check Muschamp. M- Muschamp, no, was, that, Muschamp was hired the same year for one time. Yep. All right. So, wow. That was a quick. So, um, except for one guy, they had a guy in the 70s coach for one year. You know, who, who knows what was going on there? I, I didn't drill down and do the research on that. But so for the last, that is 70 plus years, their coaches have made it to the first game of their fifth year. All right. So there you have it. It's very, very likely very, that, it very will likely be that Shane will Shane be coaching Beamer. that team. 
And also one of the things about uh, Shane is that um, from what I understand, again, I don't follow other schools all that closely, but from what I understand, the school president, Bob Caslin, was involved in getting rid of Muschamp. I don't know how involved he was in hiring Shane Beamer, but uh, and I also don't know what their athletic director situation is. Ray Tanner. They, Ray Tanner. I don't know how long Ray – is Ray still going to be there in 2025? I think Caslin will still be the school president because he's only been president for a couple of years. So the structure above Shane will probably be the same, which makes it more likely that he'll still be there. Yeah, it's very interesting. Now, uh, on um, a personal note, I got a son who's a sophomore at South Carolina, and I got two kids at Virginia Tech, and I went to Virginia Tech. My wife went to Penn State. I think we're going to have her root for South Carolina. So, so you're going to even it out. out. Right. So here, here's the only uh, question I have for fun real quick. Will Coach Frank Beamer be wearing uh, maroon and orange, or will he be wearing South Carolina Now, colors? see, that's that's the first thing I thought about. Frank will no I, longer be getting paid by Virginia Tech, I think, or that'll be his last year. Yeah. I think uh, it was 10 years, or was it, it eight, eight years? years eight. Oh, it was eight yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. So he'll, he'll, Wait, elaborate on that. I didn't realize that. He, oh, yeah, he was still on the payroll as like an ambassador, goodwill ambassador. Yeah, like when, when, when Frank retired, he signed an eight-year, $250,000 a year contract mm. to yeah. – to to sit around and be Frank Beamer, yeah, um, he was at the basketball game on Sunday. It's good, it's good work if you get it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can we get a Chris Coleman ambassador role? Anyone want to sign uh, up for that? I, you know, Chris is still a young man. I, I, it's I don't, a possibility. I've always wanted to play South Carolina. I'm divided. I know. I don't like any situation though where it's Virginia Tech versus a Beamer. I don't like any <laughs> honestly. Oh, ESPN's going to be all over it, but like yeah, no, I, I don't no doubt about I don't that. think it's going to I think it might be fun to talk about going into, but I don't think it's going to be a lot of fun during and afterwards. Um okay. There's a lot of ground to cover between now. There's and a now. lot of ground to cover. It, it, I'm a, but I I don't know what's going to happen in the game yet, obviously. So right. it's hard to say, but I don't like putting Frank Beamer in an awkward situation. I certainly know that. Yeah. I mean, his alma mater, the school he coached, he's the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer versus his own son. Who do you pull for? <laughs> you know, I think uh, about when Del Curry, when Seth Curry played for Duke and played at Castle College, Del Curry had a black jacket on and did not wear any Duke colors and did not wear any Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech colors. colors. Yeah. So um, here's a question um, from Andrew Ross real quick. You'll appreciate this. In five years, who do you think will be in a better position, South Carolina or Virginia Tech? I define better position. Define better. Um, look, honestly, I don't think South Carolina is like the fourth best job in their own division. So, uh, like I, I think Virginia Tech has more potential as an ACC Coastal Division team than South Carolina has as an SEC East team. And I think South Carolina's got really good facilities they're in a really good recruiting location yada 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 good the, fan the, base uh, right and like i i think south carolina if it wasn't for a money thing they should just leave the sec and join the acc and get in the coastal and they would have just as much potential they'd have more potential if they were in the coastal division than they would in the sec east because they've got to go through florida and georgia right mm-hmm um so that's why you have to define yeah, your position. Yeah. Like, because because if you if if the question is five years from now, if you've lifted South Carolina from the SEC and put them in the ACC, who would be more competitive, them or Virginia Tech? Right. Uh, probably South Carolina. Probably. 
but that doesn't mean they won't go you know they're still they're going to be like seven and five overall and three and five in the sec right it's because because they lost to florida and georgia and maybe their two crossover opponents were bama and lsu I, I, so I'll answer the question this way. I think at at best, this will be a competitive game. Mm. At worst, South Carolina could possibly blow Virginia Tech out, depending upon what happens between now and then. I do not see a future scenario where Virginia Tech will be in a position to blow out South Carolina five years from now, unless Shane turns out to be an absolute disaster. We are an hour and eight minutes into the podcast. Great discussion about Hokies men's basketball, Virginia Tech football, future opponents, the roster. We're going to talk about wrestling and women's basketball briefly, but we've got a lot of people chiming in the chat right now. Keep those questions coming. Drop them in the chat. We'll get to them here in less than 10 minutes. And if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. We're at 14 likes right now. Try and get us a 20. Hit that thumbs up button. Help us out and give us a couple of likes. All right, great discussion there about that game. I'm already looking forward to that 2025 Chick-fil-A kickoff. South Carolina and Virginia Oh, by Tech. the way, so the teams have played. I think Tech is uh, – I can't remember the record, but – they played six times in a row from like 1985 or 86 through 1991, and Tech went 0-4 and two in those last six. Two ties uh, out of six games. Yeah, imagine that. And they used to, they used to play each other every year, and then uh, Tech went to the Big East, South Carolina went to the SEC, and that was the end. Of I that. think one of those South Carolina games might have been the first game I ever came to. Hmm. the the first uh, The first game I ever remember coming to was the '93 Maryland game, but I know I came to one either a year or two before that. Uh, yeah, I thought they, it was South Carolina, but I could be wrong. First Tech game I remember was 07 ECU. Oof, wow. Yeah. Heavy duty. All right, um, so. all right, let's transition. Let's talk about the eighth-ranked Virginia Tech wrestling program. Eighth in the country. A quad meet on Sunday for the Hokies, and they won all three. They beat Ohio 39-6. They beat Kent State 32-9. to and then the marquee matchup, they beat West Virginia 24-10. Chris, I don't think it matters any sport. When Tech beats West Virginia, you're a happy <laughs> man. It's thumbs up from Chris Coleman. Uh, a couple of notes. Sam Latona, 3-0 and on the day, including a 3-2 decision. He was decision. the only Tech wrestler to go 3-0 and on the day. Correct. 3-2 decision over the 12th-ranked wrestler in one of those three wins, Yeah, uh, which was a big-time decision for uh, Latona, who's ranked 20th in the country. Uh, Sam Hillegas recorded another pin. Of course, he started off his college career with a pin against Campbell. Uh, Bryce Andonian, as well as Colin Girardi, who got a start at 141 in one of the matches, uh, all won by pin. And then two bonus point wins for uh, second-ranked Hunter Boland. I thought that was one of the takeaways, Will, was that Boland, yeah. after a disappointing win uh, in the season opener against Campbell, I thought really bounced back yesterday. Yes. Um, so uh, I wondered, how do you do a quad meet when you go in? And basically, Virginia Tech had three full dual meets against all three teams, right? So did they, didn't they wrestle uh, – who did they wrestle first? Ohio. Ohio. And they went through all weight classes. Correct. Virginia Tech versus Ohio. Then they wrestled Kent State and went through all the weight classes. Then they wrestled WVU and went through all the weight classes. So it's a long day. Yep. And when we say that Latona, was it Latona that went 3-0? and One of them was a uh, forfeit. But, yes, he did go 3-0. and It's not like the other guys lost. It's that um, I don't think Tech had any wrestlers wrestle all three. got to use some depth. Yeah. I was yeah. about to say, correct. It was not yeah. the same starting lineup. So, like, Mackay Lewis wrestled twice. Uh, Bolin wrestled twice. Unless you get a pin in the, in the first round. I mean, can you imagine like going three wrestling, wrestling matches all, all three in one day? Oh gosh, yeah. we saw a lot of uh, young freshmen who might not be in the the 
real starting lineup get some get some solid action yesterday. yeah so so i think your average person doesn't know that you you have 10 weight classes but there aren't there like 25 or 30 wrestlers on the team sure um so yeah you've got a lot of depth you get a lot of guys you can cycle in and a meet like this and um so uh but yeah bowling getting a couple of major decisions is a big deal um Hilligus, okay. starting out with a pin so he's 2-0 with pins and then he got a decision later correct, correct. yeah so all in all, sounds like a good day. And Latona, I'm telling you, very impressed with him at 125. I mean, yeah. the lower weights, and then Myers at 133, a rock, a graduate student. I mean, this just, you know, a lot of, lot of pieces. A lot of wrestlers saw action. It wasn't like the same starting lineup from Campbell wrestling three times in a row. So, yeah. yep. uh, And then here's ACC play. Uh, ACC duels start this Friday for Virginia Tech. Non-conference is uh, done, to the best of my uh, knowledge. I'm trying to load the schedule right now. But North Carolina on uh, this weekend for Virginia Tech. Of course, last year when Virginia Tech wrestled North Carolina, there was nearly, I think, like three to 4,000 people yeah. inside of Castle Coliseum. It was a, it was a disappointing loss to the it Tar was. Heels. Yeah. And I'm sure this is a duel that Virginia Tech really, really wants to win. Yes, and this one is on the road. And it, is it Friday or Saturday? I believe it is Friday. I'm trying to pull up the schedule. I think it's Friday evening. Yeah, and and it's and, on the ACC network. And it's on the ACC network. So if you so yep, AC, know, six o'clock I, p.m. on Friday. And and again, the non-conference slate's over. So here you go, folks. At North Carolina, they're in the top fifteen. Virginia. Um, at home, and then Duke, and then North Carolina State and Pittsburgh to close things out. Yeah, um, and and you know as you look across the the sports at Virginia Tech, there are certain teams you hate losing to. Like I hate losing to Louisville in basketball. You know, I I don't I don't dread the concept of playing Louisville Louisville in football, but I just can't stand them in basketball. Um, I I just and 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 when I don't mind losing to NC State in wrestling, you know, uh, maybe even UVA in wrestling. But I just, I did. You, Virginia Tech should not be losing to UNC in wrestling. No. That's kind of how I look at that. So uh, the way well, we feel about UNC in football, Chris, is the way Tech fans feel about losing to UNC in wrestling. It's a very similar. Yeah, like nobody wearing baby blue should be good at wrestling, right? Um, I, I have a separate comment here. Right, so, <laughs> I love it. We're getting right, Chris so, into so, wrestling. So wrestling. Now this is from a, this is a scheduling standpoint. Every year, wrestling starts normally in November or December, right? right? Yeah, and November. this year, it started in January. And every year, the NCAA championships are the same week as the opening weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. Would it not be better for wrestling to start the first week of January, and that way you don't have to worry about Christmas break in the, right in the middle of your There's season? There's always a long break in wrestling right Right, right. And... Then you go and then you have the NCAA tournaments in April. Instead, you push everything back a month. Now, great. Then you've got spring break coming in the middle mm -hmm. of your season, but it is what it is. So, so rest, wrestling struggles with bringing in new fans because it is a, um, I think for for your layperson, it's a difficult sport to understand when you first look at it. You know, so to your point. You're not going to draw new fans in if you're doing your man. I hope I'm not pissing off wrestling fans here, but you're, but you're not going to draw new fans if you're doing your big event at the same weekend that the NCAA tournament's going on. Right. You know. Right. So something to think about. You know, we're not trying to start a huge movement sure. here in NCAA wrestling. And oh, by the way, the the wrestling tournament 
The oh, it's so much fun. Wow, it is. And I, and I do want to credit Coach Roby for a minute because I feel like he has done a terrific job since taking over of getting more Hokies excited about wrestling. I mean, I, and Mikhail Lewis winning a national championship helps. But yes. I just feel like there are more Hokies, like take you, for example, Will, who the last four years or so has started to you know, really grow to love <laughs> if, wrestling. If right? Tony Roby decided tomorrow that he didn't want to coach wrestling anymore, then the Hokie Club should just go ahead and hire him. <laughs> he's a great salesman. <laughs> so to, to, to a counterpoint to what I just said, I remember saying last year on the podcast, you don't really even need to understand wrestling to watch it. It's one guy trying to beat another. Yeah. you know, And, and so – you know, don't, don't be intimidated by like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And also the people on our wrestling board are very helpful. No, come, terrific. Come in and ask dumb questions. They love new fans. Yeah. Answer. I tell you what, I think that I love a lot of boards. Of course, subscribers are great, but maybe my favorite board is the wrestling board. Yeah. Those, yeah. those folks are terrific. So, all right. Last sport before we get to your questions here on episode 161 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I, it's been a while since we've talked about Virginia Tech women's basketball. Um, Hokies got off to a strong start in the non-conference slate. They won their opener against Pittsburgh early December, and they've now lost four in a row in league play. Chris uh, hosted number two Louisville on Thursday, trailed by 15, took a two-point lead with 90 seconds left, ended up losing 71-67 to the three-time defending ACC champions, had that game, and then on Sunday, a disappointing loss in Atlanta. They were up by 10 going to the fourth quarter and lost by two. The trend of the Kenny Brooks era is get a lead and then blow it in the fourth quarter. From his first year to what are we now? You have a stat there, right? Or sixth year um, that you read to us uh, before we started the podcast about the there women, was, women's yeah. program. There's a stat since 2017-18 that um, the Virginia Tech has won in 11 in ACC games decided by five points or less or fewer. Yeah, right. Um, so the Louisville game was kind of almost the the opposite of that. Tech was behind and then roared back. Yeah. Normally it's it's Virginia Tech has a big lead and then they somehow manage to lose the game. Uh, I think Kenny Brooks has proven to be a really, really good recruiter. He's improved the talent level of the program. Uh, in-game, end-game coaching does not seem to be his strength. And unfortunately, that that's very important because, you know, unless unless you're like one of the elite teams that's in women's basketball that is up by, you know, 70 points every night, these games are going to be close. You gotta and, and you got to learn, learn how to hold a lead. and. Here we are, well into a senior, and and they can't they can't do it. So it's it was it's probably unrealistic to think of a switch is going to be flipped and, and they're going to start doing it overnight, right? This has been yeah, a you want them entire to. tenure. You want them to, right? Yeah, this is a team that was slated to make the NCAA tournament a year ago yeah. for the first time. So since they kind of got robbed of that. Um, and so that was going to be that was a really good team last year. And I tell you what, the talent on this team, I mean, it's there. I mean, it's a really good three point shooting team. Liz Kitley's one of the best centers in the entire country. Leads the ACC in double doubles. Um, they've they've been right there. So I think they're better than their record shows in the ACC. But a, a disappointing loss. Well, Sunday, no the, the there was a year, I guess it was two years ago, when they closed the season really really strong. Right. But they started one and seven, I believe. They started one and seven, and there were so many of those games. I think they were beating UVA by like fifteen points and lost. And there were there were several games like that in that losing streak where, where they were winning and then they lost. And so, like I said, it's a trend. It's and a trend. and I, I don't watch them enough to know what the issues are. I did see the end of the Georgia Tech game, and, and you go from tie ball game and you're inbounding the ball with six and a half seconds left to go. To with 2.8 seconds left to go, you're watching Georgia Tech shoot free throws to break the tie, and and you know, 
And then the end of the Louisville game was, uh, you know, again, uh, I, I believe Virginia Tech was down two with the ball. With correct? the ball, they could have helped. There was no shot clock, and, and Georgia Amor was just running, uh, trying to take getting, some time Getting ready to initiate the offense out near, out near half court. And Dana and, Evans picked her pocket. Yeah, so, so Amor is, is looking down into the entirety of the Tech offense, getting ready to initiate the play. And the Louisville player, one of the best players in the country, just picks her pocket you know, right there in front of God and everybody and goes down and lays it in. Um, so they, they definitely need to get better at the end game situations. So, right, We've discussed four sports on today's show. Men's basketball, football, women's basketball, and wrestling. But our favorite part is when we get to hear from you. Our YouTube Live uh, comment section, a lot of great stuff today. If you have a question, any sport, go ahead and drop it in the comment section. Let's go ahead and lead things off with Robert. Is let's see, Daryl Tap, the recruiting player, alumni, outreach, and defensive line coach, savior for VT football. Who you, knows? You can't ask one person to do all of that. I mean, if he is, then he has more energy than anybody in the world, basically. But yeah. but yes, he's going to fill all of those roles to a certain extent. Um, I don't, I don't I don't think we've been able to tell how good of a staff Fuente's put together defensively in terms of recruiting. I think Hamilton, Ryan Smith, and Daryl Tapp are all very good. Um, but they basically haven't been able to get out and recruit on the road. And, you know, some there, there are some people – there's only so much you can do on Zoom. Uh, some people you have to sit in a room with them to get a vibe. And Tapp had put together a plan – for the coaching staff and in-state recruiting and things like that, and then they they didn't get a chance to execute it because of COVID. Um, so I don't know when recruiting restrictions are going to get lifted. I'm guessing not till the summer. Yeah, it's April right now. That it's currently runs through April, right? Mm. I'm I'm guessing maybe in the summer. So then, if that, by that point, you will have had over a year of no on-campus screen. Let me let me put it this way: fifteen months. Alex White. Just left Virginia Tech for North Carolina. Her role over was the weekend. The... Her role was the director of on-campus recruiting. She was hired last summer. During her role, during her time as director of on-campus recruiting at Virginia Tech, the Hokies did not host a single on-campus recruit. Uh, so, and she has ties to North Carolina. I she believe. went to North Carolina. Yep. Uh, and now she's back. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I think the question you're really asking is, can Daryl Tapp turn the tide of recruiting in the 757 for Virginia Tech? And that's a lot to put on one guy's shoulders. Well, you know, North Carolina's got a head start. North Carolina's got Dre Bly out there, right? And, and Dre Bly is a great personality, and he's from the area and things like that. Tapp will help. I, I'm not from that area. I, I would assume that Dre Bly is a bigger legend than Daryl Tapp. No, no question. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I looked outside the window. It's snowing here in Blacksburg, which oh, is not exciting. pretty oh, heavily, gosh, actually. I was hoping to go golfing later today. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, you can sorry. go to Frank Beamer's half and, uh, house and play the uh, the simulator. He has a golf simulator. Does he actually? He has wow, a golf simulator. Uh, Eric Fisher chimes in. But can Couture draw charges like Deron Washington used to? Uh, well, well, David Cunningham keeps track of that stuff, and I think Couture's up to 10 charges on the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. not, not, not to, I love Duran, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of flopping in there. <laughs> That's true. If Duran had put a, had a Duke uniform on, everybody, all Tech fans would have hated him. Yeah, uh, so far Hunter's yeah. legitimately getting knocked down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Staying with basketball, Raj Suri asks, why aren't we seeing Joe Bamasil play for the men's basketball team? Not Bam- ready yet. Well, he's just not ready. He didn't play a senior year of high school. 
I know he was a highly touted recruit, but he didn't even play a senior year of high school because he had knee surgery. Um, he's he's well behind defensively right now. Um, he's a talented player. Um, but look, this is good. This is good that you don't have to have a freshman playing 30 minutes a game like Tex had to do. It, 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 it shows there's talent in the program. Um, and again, if you want to put Joe Bamsil in the game, are you taking out Jalen Cohn? Right? Correct. Yeah. So, well, uh, I think what everybody's worried about is that Bamisil is a top 100 recruit, and they're worried about if he's not playing, he's going to get upset and hit the transfer portal, right? That's what we're talking about. Sure. Um, and, and that – I don't have an answer for that other than it speaks to what expectations, you know, what conversations have occurred between him and Mike Young. I think we're fine. His high school coach played with Mike Young in college. You know, and, uh, That relationship is strong. He seems active and upbeat and happy on the bench. And there, there was something in Tech Talk Live about the jokesters on the team. Isn't Bamisil right. one of them? Uh, you know? Mono Maddox was one of them. Maddox, yeah. yeah. Well, he, he Bamisil seems to be comfortable, you know, with with where he is right now. And um, I, uh, I was reading. I guess it was Beatty talking about how Bamisil has got him into things like meditation and yoga. Yeah, and things yeah. Like that. He is a deep thinking dude. Like he, this is not your typical freshman. Yeah. Uh, so let's bring him on the podcast to do some meditation. Yeah. Let's let's. I'd lo- We're I'd talking love- about doing different things in 2021. Sure, the podcast. Virginia Tech let's- would, sure, Virginia Tech would go for that. <laughs> All right. Final question. We'll do a football one. Billy Parvinum writes: Do fans have unfair expectations with beating top football teams at home? People talk about how we haven't had a top five win. But those teams are good for a reason. Are we not on their level, or are there other factors? Football is a physical sport. And generally speaking, in football, if you're really, really good, it's because you're bigger and faster and stronger than, than the other person. And generally, when you're you're bigger and faster and stronger than the guys lined up across from you, you're going to win. doesn't matter what the coaching. In, in basketball, the three-point shot or shooting in general is the great equalizer. And the fact that everybody, you know, plays freshmen so many minutes or at least the the top elite teams do. You 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 can get hot in basketball and and upset a higher ranked team, right. you know? Like I think Virginia I remember Seth Greenberg was uh 3 and 3 against number 1 ranked teams in his time here at Tech and it should have been 4 and 2, you know, Sean Dockery. Mm-hmm. And uh Mike Young is is has beaten two, four, two number 3 teams yeah, in a row. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, but it's two different animals. Football know? is just so physical dependent on uh, football is closer to boxing than it is, uh, yeah. you know, than, than it is anything else. Uh, it, it's not to say that you suggest you can't pull upsets in football. Obviously you can. Um, but it, w- w- it's generally like. Like when Oklahoma, who did Oklahoma lose to early this season? It was Iowa State, I believe. Uh, yeah, but that I, wasn't really an upset because Iowa, yeah, State. Iowa State turned out to be really good. Uh, there was somebody else Oklahoma lost mm-hmm. to, but uh, generally when there's an upset, it's not about the team that does the upsetting. It's about the team with superior talent just not showing up, yeah. right, and just having a bad game. So Virginia Tech beating one of those teams, yes, Virginia Tech's going to have to play well and not turn the ball over and do everything right. But generally, they're dependent on the other team screwing up. Ohio State game in 2014 is your is your prime example. I mean, Ohio State was by far and away the best team in college football that year. Look what they did in the like Alabama, right? Then they yeah. beat that, crushed well, Alabama. Well, they won the national championship. Right. That game was more. I know people don't want to hear this. 
That game was more about Ohio State not playing well than than it was. Well, Virginia and Virginia Tech, Tech played really. Virginia well Tech in played that really, game. really well, but Virginia Tech's A game still loses to Ohio State's A game by multiple yeah. touchdowns. Right? Yeah, Ohio State wasn't ready yet. Their their defensive yeah. line wasn't ready for for what Bud Foster was doing to them. I would answer it this way: I think it's on. I think to yes, special teams play and turnovers can always enter into it, but. If you want to straight up beat a higher ranked team, you have to have good line play, offensive and defensive line play, and you have to have really good quarterback play. So when when you start watching a Virginia Tech team, like I thought Virginia Tech's offensive line this year it was, good was the kind yeah. of line you can roll out against a top ranked team and have a decent game. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start seeing lines like that on both sides of the ball and Virginia Tech's got a really good experienced quarterback, that's when I think they have their best shot. One more fun one, because it just got thrown in from Richie. Which basketball player, hypothetically, would make a great football player? Fun one to close. I think I like this question. <clears throat> I would say Tyrese Radford. Mm. Defensive back? Yeah, he's probably a defensive back. Uh, I'm going Keve Aluma. Well, well Bisa Beatty is a, is a tank. Beatty at running back? I could see that. Yeah. Beatty is certainly a... Beatty's, you know, what, six foot, 200 pounds, and that's he runs so much from playing basketball. He could be 210, 215 if he was a football Put player. A little, yeah. And Beatty loves the weight room. All you got to mm-hmm. do is look at him and tell that guy works extremely hard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would kind of like to see Beatty at running back uh, or maybe Mutz at, at tight end. Radford's a tough dude, man. So, um, so I would say if I had to pick one guy, I'd say Radford. I, would, I, I might actually go uh, Bamasil at wide receiver. Um, I would if I could go back in time, I I would I would want uh, Ahmed Hill at wide receiver, yeah. six five and that fast. Mm. Oh yeah. So Evan, did you you know who Bimbo Coles is right? Of course. Did you know that Bimbo Coles was may have been a better defensive back than he was basketball player? Did not know that he was he was a phenomenal athlete in high school, uh, defensive back. Um, I played softball against him several times in the Tech softball system, and oof, that, that guy had a cannon. He was an excellent softball player too. Uh, and there was a, a Devin Wilson was a two sport athlete, correct? When he was here, he was a run track. He played uh, wide receiver, didn't he? Oh, For Devin a... Wilson. I thought you said David Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, he played wide receiver for Virginia Tech. Well, didn't play he, a lot. He was caught, a wide receiver. Caught, caught a few much. passes early in that yeah, season. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, a couple of great questions uh, thrown in today. Thanks, everybody, for chiming in. Um, one quick note. Uh, Mike Young's on the ACC teleconference right now. He says that uh, he loves the punch that Jalen Cohn gives off the bench. No intention to start him anytime soon. Okay. Uh, my um, favorite quote, I consider him a starter, but to see that little rat run on the floor and come off some screens <laughs> there, he offers us a lot. He's tricky, and I'm so thankful he's in a Hokie uniform. He's so fun to coach. He's awesome. So right now, I know he – has only played in eight games. He missed the first three. But would he be the ACC's sixth man of the year right now? No, I'd have to go back up and I'd have to go up and down everybody else's roster to figure that out. But I have to imagine that, that he would be a strong candidate at this point yeah. in time for ACC sixth man of the year, right? Assuming there is an award for sixth man of I the year. I believe there is. I believe yeah. there is. Yeah. yeah. Well, if there was, he, he would be a candidate, right? There you have it. Yeah. All right, hour and a half worth of great content. Episode 161 of the Tech Sideline Podcast for Sports Discussed. We got to your YouTube live questions. If you didn't get yours in, don't worry. We'll be back soon, and you can get more questions in. 
But my favorite question is for Chris Coleman. I'm looking over at that uh, that calendar over there. See a lot of writing on it. Yeah, I've got uh, a Brandon what, Patterson article coming later today. Nice. What's he What's he writing on? Any idea? He wrote uh, mm. about uh, Tay Daly, the the transfer from Vanderbilt. He's going to do a breakdown of him and where he can uh, help. Uh, we'll have another hoops column this week. That'll be. I think I'm generally going to write those on Thursdays, maybe Wednesday this week. There's also going to be an article th- this week, and I was going to bring the book in today, but I decided to wait until after I write the article to do it. But uh, I interviewed Lou Johnson, the old Western Branch football coach, about his book, about his coaching career, which includes lots of good stories about the recruitments of guys like Chiron Stith at Virginia Tech. Probably Vince or, Hall. Or even, or, yeah, Vince <laughs> Hall or even – even Dre Bly, who came down to Virginia Tech and UNC in high school. And uh, so I interviewed Lou about his book uh, last week, and uh, I'm going to run that article at some point th- this week. So I think that'll be a pretty good read, and that would be a good book for Virginia Tech fans to read because it'll contain some really good stories about uh, about past Virginia Tech players. So Malcolm, camera on me. Explain to our listeners, well, what do you have in your hands? This is a very cool thing. It was uh, the guys who did the grit gear. We're uh, in Blacksburg this weekend, and they uh, they hit me up and we and we met out by the interstate and they gave this to me. Very cool. I don't. It's aluminum. Yeah. You know, real real thin. You met out by the interstate and <clears throat> met out by the, the interstate. That, that didn't seem sketchy <laughs> at all. For those listening on uh, on uh, on the podcast, it is a uh, the shape of the United States with a it's about VT two, flag. two feet two feet wide in aluminum with orange and maroon colors on it and a and a VT logo flag kind of thing it's fantastic painting on so the idea is hokey nation it's very cool i probably shouldn't show this because no they're not publicly for sale um so just want to thank those guys for dropping it off and it's it's i'm catching the light with it it's yeah. it's very cool Wanted yeah to show you just made off. fun of everybody you're like haha look what i got you can't have it it's good to, <laughs> it's so good to be cool king. things on this podcast <laughs> that the people would like yeah. to have Oh, right. and we have the uh, we have the new office the computers got delivered uh last week and set up we still have to clean up and uh, configure those computers. But Chris and I should be over in the new office by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. And that's when we'll really start stripping this room down and, and adding some capability in here. That's fantastic. And uh, so is this podcast. Hour and a half worth of great content. Um, don't forget, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. You can follow Will on Twitter at uh, Will Stewart TSL. At Tech Sideline is the main site. And these uh, those three accounts will be tweeting tomorrow night. When Duke comes to town to take on Virginia Tech. That's a quick turnaround, man. That really is. 48 hours. Gentlemen, any uh, any closing thoughts here? Uh, did, didn't didn't Mike have Mike Young have time off though to, to work on Duke as well? I, I think they did. So I'm I'm not I'm not worried about the quick turnaround. When would he have had time off? I don't know. I, I don't have the schedule. Well, I mean, head. we did miss the UVA. Missed game. the UVA game, and he, he may have done some work ahead of that. He, who knows? Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, Duke played on Saturday. So I guess I guess are we going to get Jake to do the uh, Duke preview today? There you go. So that's another thing. That's Jake Lyman, the, the hardest working man. Yeah, he does a lot well, of writing. Ultra yeah. fast transcriber too. Yeah, yeah no question. No All right, that'll wrap things up for us. Episode 161 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Happy birthday, Malcolm Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, turning 22 years old today. 
you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. We're at 22 likes right now. Let's see if we can get to there before enough. the end of the show. All right, that'll wrap things up for us. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Happy Stewart, birthday the birthday boy, Malcolm Stewart, the best podcast Happy producer in the land. My name is Evan Hughes, the podcast hosting so long. And thanks so much for watching and listening Happy to episode birthday, 161 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Have a great week, Hokies. Happy birthday to you.